everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, February 3rd, 2019. I am more convinced than ever that JT Hellstrom is still alive. What evidence do I have? Absolutely none, but what evidence is there against anyone? The easiest way to wrap this whole thing up is to make JT alive, make him the one who's haunting Nikki, taunting Victor, have him be arrested, send him off screen, and voila, the whole thing is wrapped up and done. YNR did make sure to show us a whole lot of scenes with JT's face in them this week, in those flashbacks, maybe as a reminder, maybe almost as if a shocking reveal were coming for February. <sighs> Nick, early in the week, calls together a meeting of the Royal Margarita crew and inducts himself as an honorary member when the ladies give him a complete picture, a complete explanation of everything that happened that night with JT. I, for one, really appreciated seeing those flashbacks. This night has haunted and taunted us as viewers for so long, and it was nice to actually go back and see the scenes. I had listened to the YNR chats from that night or from that week's shows when I was putting together the 2018 YNR chat year-end affair. So I felt a little more fresh on it, but actually visually seeing what happened with Victoria and JT and Nikki helped to put into perspective and jog my memory back to what actually happened that night especially since there has been so much muddy water that has traveled under that bridge ever since then. It was good to remember the how and the whys of, 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 of it happening. And after listening to all of the ladies tell their story, answer Nick's questions, Nick seemed to come to an understanding that... All lies that took place as a result of anything having to do with Margarita Knight are considered equal, and he is now an equal partner in keeping those lies, including keeping them from Victor. Nick made very clear that he does not want Victor to know that Phyllis or Sharon had anything to do with that night. Although Victor knew somehow instinctively that Nikki killed JT, I am surprised that Victor doesn't know that Victor, or that, sorry, that Sharon and Phyllis were involved. But it looks to me like Sharon is about to get even more involved because we saw a brief preview at the end of Friday's show where Sharon is at the police station, she is 
looking at an email that is from some anonymous address, the subject line says, proof that Victor Newman is a murderer. The body of the email says, the police need to see this. And there is a wave attachment, a dot wave attachment to the email, which is an audio file. So I'm assuming, I, I suppose this is a big leap, but I'm imagining that this is an email that is coming into the police from whoever is monitoring things at the ranch and Sharon was there intercepting it. I could be completely wrong, but that was just my first blush reaction to that preview scene. I mean, the person's monitoring the ranch. They would have, a, a, you know, possibly an audio file of all of these confessions that have been taking place. Every conversation at the ranch has been about JT's murder and how Nikki killed him and why. I could be completely wrong that it's JT. Didn't Nick send an audio file to Victoria when he was pretending to be JT, when he was going through the whole Newman hacker ordeal? I, I mean, it could, it, I, I don't know what, why on earth Nick would ever do that unless he still has some vendetta against Victor. I, it could certainly also still be Tessa. Tessa dropped off the map. Is, is she was able to show that she has some technical skills when she was blackmailing the ladies. So she would, I imagine, be capable of doing something like this. Or, I don't know, could it still be Ray? I keep thinking about how Ray was completely onto Sharon and all of these women when he first came into town when he was writing down his notes about them in his little notebook and then he just dropped that part of the investigation and pointed all of his attention solely on Victor. Is Victor actually going to go to trial next week. We also saw a preview of Nikki looking like she was about ready to confess everything to Christine and telling Christine that there would be no trial. I don't think Nikki is going to confess. It's been the better part of a year of everyone wanting to confess and no one has. But at the same time, they didn't bring Christine back for nothing. So I'm imagining there might be a trial. I was prepared to watch Victor kicking around the ranch on house arrest for a few more weeks, watching the kids, reading King Arthur to Johnny, and musing about Katie playing with her imaginary friend. Yes, all week. In fact, I think it was Monday through Thursday's shows. Each episode ended with Katie slipping away from Victor or Nikki, only to be found upstairs talking to her imaginary friend that grown-ups can't see, but that we as the audience can see is someone lurking in the shadows, looking at those hidden cameras that have been planted all over the ranch, 
The main reason that I think it's JT, other than plot convenience, wrapping this whole thing up with a bow, is that JT was a security expert. He would have the skills to plant those cameras, and more importantly, JT is someone who Katie would recognize and not be afraid of. Katie could see JT and not immediately run and tell the adults because she would have seen him as a parental figure. This man was living with Victoria and all of them for at least a significant amount of time. Katie would be inclined to believe anything that JT was telling her. JT could convince her to tell everyone that he's an imaginary friend and no one can see him but her. And he could convince her to keep this secret. To what end, I don't know. Seriously, Katie should never have been at the ranch in the first place. Victor, Nikki, Nick, Victoria, they all knew that there was a security breach there weeks ago. They all knew that someone had broken in already, that someone was targeting them. Why did now suddenly become a, a, a good time to open a daycare? Eventually, as all good soap children do, Katie slips away and she gets lost. Victor and Nikki cannot find her. Victoria cannot find her. Victoria calls Billy and everyone fears that Katie has been kidnapped. Ah, the missing kid routine. (laughs) The missing kid routine in soap operas, serves only one real purpose. (laughs) And it's to reunite the worried parents. I laughed a little bit when Nick commented that Faith had done this before too. Oh, Faith has slipped away a few times. Yeah, she has. And you want to know why? To reunite Nick and Sharon for a minute. (laughs) And now here we have Billy and Victoria in need of a push. I'm not gonna lie. Um, Amelia Heinley was not giving me terrified mother who was afraid that her child had been kidnapped. I am sorry. This is the first time I've ever said this or thought this about her. But the actress was phoning it in big time. She just stood there stiffly with her arms by her side saying, Katie, Katie, where are you, honey? And there was one moment where she actually moved her arms and ran them through her hair, trying to look concerned. But for the most part, Victoria was lifeless and stiff. Billy, on the other hand, was the only one with even a shred of guts. He comes into the ranch and says, uh, my kid's missing? You think she might have been kidnapped? Call the cops. What are you people standing around waiting for? I was totally on board with Billy there. 
until he completely caved in and said, oh, well, you're right. We shouldn't involve the cops. For what reason? I don't know. Why? Well, these people never involve the cops in anything that happens. The default position of anyone in the Newman family or any of our main characters is to never call the cops. That must be rule number one. You will only get convicted of something. <laughs> they call the cops to the ranch and suddenly, I don't know, Billy is, uh, he's, he's charged with kidnapping. I don't know what they were possibly afraid of. Um... Well, I guess maybe it's because they didn't want to have to reveal the story of why they were afraid she would have been kidnapped. But they could have just said the kid's missing. Send out the helicopters. I don't know. <laughs> no one seemed all that worried. Billy seemed like the most worried. I was on board with him a little bit, but I have to say also, I was not fully on board with Billy at other parts of the week. Okay. I appreciate that Billy is fighting for what he wants. I appreciate that Billy is fighting to stay in Victoria's life. But in all honesty, I feel like Billy has been coming off as pressuring Victoria to get back together when pressuring Victoria to get back together was the one thing that he said a few weeks ago that he did not want to do to her. He said, no, I don't want to, and I understand, you know, you need time. He just learned that she had been in an abusive relationship, and now he is pressuring her. She told him that she's not ready to get involved with anyone else, and so he uses a spare key to let himself into her house to talk to her about it, to pressure her some more about it. It's a little aggressive. She asked him to leave, and he just stands there arguing with her. I, no means no, Billy. At a certain point, you have to respect what someone is telling you, whether or not you believe that what they're saying is true, whether you believe that they mean it or not. You have to take her at her face value and back off. But I don't know. Now we have the missing kid routine. The missing kid routine could change everything. Billy and Victoria could be reunited by Monday after a scare like that. At the end of Friday's show, Katie was found mostly... Unless she slipped into another dimension, poltergeist style. Carol Ann! Carol Ann! <laughs> Is it bad that that was my first thought? She slipped into a vortex. They can only hear her voice. <laughs> In the midst of the Newman arguing, Billy is the one who hears his daughter. He can hear her voice coming from inside the walls. Ooh. It's kind of good. I mean, that's a little bit spooky, right? She's had this imaginary friend and now she's trapped in the walls. It also adds a little bit of dimension to that new ranch set. Because in my mind, if Katie is in the walls, then that's probably how the mystery person, imaginary friend, has been passing through the ranch undetected. That's probably where those security cameras are set up. 
I kind of love the idea that there could be some kind of complex system of hidden passageways at the ranch. That would be fun. It's probably not going to happen, but I'm just going to enter entertain the idea right now that on Monday we are going to peel back one of those ranch walls to reveal a whole new world behind it. Speaking of the ranch, I just bought one. Oh yes, I just bought my very first house. And it is indeed a ranch style home, which was built in, are you ready for this? 1993, the year that I first started watching YNR. I can't tell you that that did not influence my decision because let me tell you it did. I felt as though that was some sort of sign. <laughs> of all of the homes in Genoa City, the ranch has just always been my favorite. I have been so influenced, I think, by the homes and the sets of YNR and my entire life. I have dreamed of what my home would be like and what it would look like. And I've always kind of secretly wanted my The Ranch. And I'm now getting it. It's amazing. I'm so absolutely thrilled. I will tell you, the home buying process has not been as dreamy and idyllic as I was hoping for. I also was hoping that the place would come with a cook and a housekeeper and some wait staff and a gardener. It did not, but I will learn to deal. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I am mentioning this to you right up top because I know just in case anybody doesn't make it all the way to the end. What this means is that I am going to be spending the next two to three weeks of my life packing and schlepping everything that I own into this new place. The closing date is scheduled for the end of this week. I am going to be so busy. I, I My home will be absolutely torn apart. My life is going to be disassembled and reassembled into something that's not going to look anything like it looks now, but will eventually become so amazing and homey. Um, I am so excited, but I got to tell you guys, I don't know what the next two to three weeks of YNR chat are going to look like. This is a pretty big undertaking. My plan is to try to do an audio podcast chat for the next three weeks if I can. I am almost certain that there will be no video February 10th 17th, possibly the 24th. So for the next three weeks, you may or may not get an audio podcast from me. There's a possibility that I just won't be able to watch the episodes and pull it together in time, although I will. But if you do not hear from me, please, please, please don't be worried. Everything's going to be fine. And trust me, I am going to be trying to get back to normal or creating a new normal as soon as possible. So this is the last time that you're going to see me here. <laughs>
take in all of the tan. <laughs> the next time you see me, there will be a whole new place of tan. <laughs> Say goodbye to the old tan and hello to the new tan in a few weeks. I love tan, what can I say? <laughs> Oh, um, it's almost a little bit sad because I think I've been doing YNR chat here in this space, uh, well, in this space overall for seven years, but I've had it in my living room for at least probably the last five years. So YNR chat is going to be looking a little different, but I think it's still going to look good. I really don't even know exactly where I'm going to do it or how I'm going to set it up, uh, but I'm, I'm sure that I will make it good and I'm sure that you will enjoy it so um so take in all of the visuals because the next time you see me i won't be here anymore i will be at the ranch I thought about buying one of those lakeside mansions like Nick has, but you know, I wanted to go more traditional. <laughs> oh, Nick. Well, now that Nick knows the full truth about JT, he jumps up the next morning before Phyllis can even get out of bed in the guest room, mind you. Nick goes out early the next morning to see Sharon. And I thought at first that it was going to be a confrontation, but it wasn't. It wasn't like, Sharon, why did you keep this secret from me? It was more like, Sharon, what do you think would have happened to our marriage and relationship if you had just told me the secret about JT? Would what have happened with Phyllis have happened? <sighs> oh, Nick and Sharon hashed it out. They sat on those steps in her cottage and they just talked it out about the fact that they both wanted to tell each other at that combo bachelor-bachelorette party. They were both longing to tell each other the secret that they were keeping. And I don't know, I, felt, I thought it was really good to hear them talking it out. I was kind of hoping that it might lead to more, that it might lead to a reunion. I guess I can't possibly expect them to just leap back into each other's arms after that. It probably wouldn't have been realistic, but I feel like it was a good first step. I don't know, though. I felt good about Nick and Sharon, and then I felt not good about the fact that Nick immediately went home to Phyllis, forgave her, thanked her for helping his mother keep that secret, and then he committed himself to Phyllis and started making out with Phyllis right after Sharon kind of shut down his what-if scenarios. It was almost like he wanted to hop up early the next morning, skirt around Phyllis, find out what Sharon was going to say, and since Sharon said no, he just went right back to Phyllis. And that makes me think, well, what if Sharon had said to Nick, all right, let's get back together now. Would he have gone home 
to recommit himself to Phyllis? I think we all know the answer to that, don't we? I am thrilled, chilled, and fulfilled to see Summer Newman back in the mix. First stop off the plane to Jabot to go see Kyle, just to let him know that she's really sorry about that whole begging him to get back together thing. Oh, she's completely over him now. She is totally focused on business and business only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She is so good. She's so bad she's good. Oh, well, Victor asked Summer and Victoria to start taking on some of his duties at Newman Enterprises while he's stuck at home on house arrest. And I was a little bit surprised that Victoria seemed to welcome Summer with open arms. Victor, Victor is finally asking Victoria to take over the CEO position of Newman Enterprises that she's wanted for so long. He's pumping her up. He's trying to rebuild her confidence after this whole JT thing. And Victoria was hesitant to take the position, so Victor seemed to throw Summer in there to assist Victoria to assuage any doubts that she might have about her capabilities of doing this job, and Victoria just accepted it. I mean, do you remember when Victoria was being forced to work with Abby or even Ashley? I mean, Victoria was so threatened by those two other people being anywhere near Newman Enterprises. So I guess that Victoria just must not feel threatened by Summer? <sighs> I'm not sure. I'm a little surprised that Phyllis didn't offer Summer a job at Jabot because I would imagine that Phyllis would want Summer near her and also that would give Summer and Kyle some more reasons to bump into each other. But Phyllis didn't even know that Summer was back in town permanently with this job at Newman Enterprises until Summer walked in on Phyllis and Nick making out the same way that Summer walked in on Phyllis and Billy making out all those months ago over the summer. Surprise! Summer's back! And she has announced that she's going to be moving in with Phyllis and Nick. Well, that didn't work out so well last time. Mom and daughter being roommates. <laughs> that didn't go over real well. I guess at least we know that Summer's not going to try to seduce Nick the way she tried to seduce Billy, right? Right? I loved it on Friday when Phyllis told Billy that Summer is back in town and he had better not cause any trouble for her or Phyllis will burn him to the ground. Phyllis was great on Friday because she also put Billy right into his place when it comes to Jabot. She tells him, look, 
you need a reality check. I am not your ex. I am not your friend. When we are inside of these four walls of my office, I am your boss and you better start acting like it. It was great. And he took it too. They seem to come to a very mature understanding to stay in their own lanes. We're going to know our place and we're going to play by the rules. I hope that Billy has a similar conversation with Summer now that she appears to be back full time. I would like to see them talk out what happened between them because Billy sleeping with Summer just to get back at Phyllis was icky and it deserves some kind of a resolution. I'm not expecting them to be best friends. I'm hoping that she doesn't try to like seduce him further or anything. I just want an apology and a heart to heart and a coming to an understanding. I think at this rate, all of Summer's focus is going to be on Kyle and possibly seducing Kyle. And I am ashamed to say that I'm kind of for it. Uh, I, I, it's just that Kyle and Summer have mad chemistry, in my opinion anyway. I, they just feel like an equal match. Summer and Kyle feel like two people who can actually handle each other. And I know that Summer is high maintenance, but Lola is as high maintenance as Summer, but just in different ways. Summer can be self-centered and impulsive, but Lola can be really demanding and insecure. I do like Kyle and Lola, and I can't blame Lola or anyone else for feeling their feelings, um, but Lionheart keeps showing us the same cycle with Kyle and Lola's relationship over and over, and this week they had their sushi and sake lunch date, and it was the same thing. The cycle is this. Lola makes all the rules. And only she knows what the rules are. And then Kyle accidentally breaks one of those rules. Lola throws a fit. Kyle grovels. They kiss, make up, rinse, and repeat. That's all it ever is. I mean, I, I, and I like these two. There are very cute moments between them. The chastity doesn't bother me at all. I don't know. I can respect that. It, as a viewer, we don't see the sex anyway, so it's fine with me. And I don't want to see... I don't want to see Kyle cheat on Lola with Summer. Although, if we did... Wouldn't it be kind of amazing to see Mia jump in to Lola's defense? Like, Kyle cheats on Lola with Summer. Lola confides in Mia about it. And then Mia gets up in Summer's face. I mean, Mia versus Summer going head to head would be epic. Summer seems like too much for any guy other than Kyle to handle. Finn just does not feel like a match for me. It's too imbalanced, the dynamics of their relationship. He wants her way too much more than she wants him. She would chew him up and spit him out even if he did get a backbone. She almost did chew him up and spit him out. She went out on a date with Fen, which just so happened to be at the same place where Kyle and Lola were on their date. At first, 
Fen was cringily oblivious to the fact that Summer was using him to make Kyle jealous. Fen was just thrilled to actually have Summer's attention for a minute. And he was ready to trade up his music career for a few measly, salty tequila shot kisses with Summer. I mean, Fen and Anna are sitting in the coffee house doing a songwriting session. He's trying, she's trying to help him further her career. And Fen says, yeah, 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 we can do this later because Summer shows up. He, he just trades his career for the privilege of taking Summer out for shots. It's, it's imbalanced. As the evening went on, he realized that, you know, her hanging on him, kissing on him was really just a show. It was all a performance for Kyle so that Kyle could see what was going on. And Finn did take back some of his pride, but I think he's still totally oblivious. I really do, because here's what I think is going on between the lines. Can Fen not see that Anna is falling for him? Because that's what I am seeing. Anna was not happy with how quickly Fen's attention could be captured by Summer. And I don't think it's just because of the songwriting project. She was complaining to Devon about how Fen was wandering off with his attention. And Devon even gave her an opportunity to just fire him, to just get rid of him if he's not right and if he's not going to be serious about his career. But Anna saved him. Anna talked to Devon and said, well, no, I don't think he's a lost cause. She was praising Fen for the things that he actually is good at, too. And I think it's because Anna is seeing more in Fen than just him as a performer. She's falling in love with him. <sighs> See, the other thing is that that's, I believe is coming into play here. I believe that... When Devon is asking Anna to just drop Fen and start writing and performing and recording her songs on her own, like, what do you need Fen for? Anna completely rejects the idea. She says, no, these are my songs. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to share them in that way. I don't want to do that. And what it's saying to me is that what Anna is really hiding here is pain from her own past. I think that someone broke Anna's heart and it has made her afraid to love again and that has made her afraid to sing and perform publicly again. It's the day of the big Fenmore's Jabot Synergy <laughs> photo shoot, spring photo shoot, and Kyle cannot find two male models. Well, he cannot find two right male models. They have to be the right male models. Kyle approaches Anna 
and asks her if Hamilton Winters still has Lily's modeling agency. And Anna had to break the bad news to us YNR fans that Lily's modeling firm had to be mothballed. Oh, apparently Devon decided it just didn't work without Lily. So that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. I would have liked if someone else would have picked up that business and ran with it, but um, apparently not. Well, fortunately for us, Lauren had a last minute idea for a model replacement. Someone who would be perfect for this campaign. Someone who would be sizzling hot for this campaign. Her son, Finn. <laughs> so Finn comes walking into the photo shoot in this beachy button up and dorky fedora hat, looking like an old man standing around at someone's kid's birthday party. I mean, his abs, after he took the shirt off, did not look old, but that look looked old. <laughs> weird maybe it's just me but isn't it weird that Fen's abs were out and on display in the same room as his mom it just seemed awkward to me that Lauren was there while her son was trying to be all sexy she's like sitting in the chair cheering him on go son work that bod it was weird to me Ugh. <laughs> uh, well They'd still need another male model. So Kyle is not about to let his chief rival upstage him at his own family company. So Kyle whips off his shirt and gives his abs the chance to share the spotlight. I'm fine with that. I mean, if, it, with, if, if it's Kyle versus Fen, I'm taking Kyle. I just want to let that be known on the record. If I had to pick, I'm picking Kyle. <laughs> you tell me who you're going to pick when it comes to these two beefy men's. It was the shortest weirdest photo shoot in history the whole thing was bicker bicker pose pose and then the photographer goes ah okay we got it <laughs> Chabot's big spring photo shoot five photos we're done Last week, I asked you in a poll question, will Abby and Arturo make it down the aisle? 92% of you said no. <laughs> a measly little 8%. Three people believe in Abby and Arturo that they will actually get married. I think... I gotta go with the majority on this. I think the writing is on the wall. The I think the trust between them is going to be broken sooner or later by whatever's gone on with Mia. Um, <laughs> I loved the early part of this week. Surely y'all can understand why Victor doesn't trust Arturo. Arturo slept with Victor's wife. 
Victor does not want Arturo sleeping with or marrying now his daughter too. So I giggled with absolute delight when Victor busted out that prenup. <laughs> His idea of congratulating the happy couple on their engagement was to bust out the prenup. And Abby looked at him and said, what? You just have a briefcase full of these? <laughs> he just keeps them on file in case any of his daughters tries to get married and boom, boom. <laughs> I loved it. I missed Victor. I need Victor on Y&R doing his Victor thing, doing his controlling thing. It's it's right for me. And when he, yeah, Ar Arturo signed it. He said, I don't want Abby's money. I'll sign your prenup. And Victor goes, great. I wish you the best of luck and a long engagement. <laughs> There's just no one else like that man. No one else. Oh... Jack, on the other hand, was a perfect gentleman to the happy couple. He even throws them an engagement party, mentions that this is something Ashley would have done. Yes, we have to compensate for the fact that Ashley's gone and will probably have no role in her daughter's wedding. That's a little weird. But Jack is stepping in and taking that role. He even invited Arturo's brother and wife over to the Abbott Mansion to make Arturo feel welcome and to blend the families. And it was such a lovely gesture. It would have been wonderful if Mia hadn't gotten sloshed and made a scene. The entire dinner, Mia was tossing back glasses of red wine like it was water. She made this hideously funny toast slurring her lines and shading Abby about her money and her makeup on what was supposed to be Abby and Arturo's happy night. Ooh! <laughs> Ray whisked her out of there and back home and he was very patient with his wife. Ray acknowledged that this family is complicated and that Mia's feelings are complicated. I'll say <laughs> Mia's feelings are complicated and borderline schizo. <laughs> to be the bigger woman, not rub her wedding, maybe smash some wedding cake in Mia's face. And Abby shows up at Mia's house bringing her flowers. Abby actually bought, brought Mia a bouquet of flowers, probably from that corner stand where Arturo got the flowers for her. <laughs> they are having a sale, that flowers stand. Um, Abby approaches Mia with this olive branch saying that she wants to apologize for the fact that Arturo crashed their wedding with his proposal. I mean, it was rude. And Abby tried to understand where Mia was coming from, say to her, 
I want our family to start out on a better foot. I am from a family who is always warring. I don't want to do that this time. And even though that must have taken an incredible amount of strength from Abby, Mia was the entire time making snide remarks back at her. It was like everything Mia said to Abby was designed to make her question her relationship with Arturo because Mia is hoping secretly and hoping openly that this marriage doesn't happen. Mia is snidely offering to help Abby with the wedding. Oh yeah, let's be friends. Let me give you a beauty consultation. Sit here in my makeup chair. And she, I'm gonna give you a little zhuzh. Mia fluffs up Abby's hair and makeup just a little bit and then says, you know what, girl, you need a trim. Hang on just a minute. Mia grabs her scissors and then flashes into this fantasy of snipping off a really big chunk of Abby's hair. It looked to me like Mia wanted to lop off more than just a few precious locks from Abby's blonde head. And then we flashed back into reality and it was only a dream, it was only a dream, it was only a dream, everything's fine. But wasn't that fantastic? I enjoyed that to no end. I mean, maybe you like Mia, maybe you don't, but I think the actress is a gem. And that scene was just pure fun entertainment. There's no need to overthink it. It was just fun. Moments like that make me wonder why more people aren't watching Y&R. Like, it's 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. You just saw that. Get into it. <laughs> I say get into it and stay into it for the next 25 years like I did. <laughs> I loved it. Maybe you didn't love it. I loved it. And I think that we need to start getting a, a beat on how the YNR chatters actually are feeling about Mia because she's a big, bold, brash character. And it's tough to swallow characters like this. Sometimes you either love her or you hate her, or maybe you love to hate her. That's our poll question for the week at YRChat.com. Mia Rosales, do you love her? Do you hate her? Or do you love to hate her? Um, I don't know. I think that Mia reminds me so much of Hillary, and I liked Hillary. There's just something about um, that personality dynamic that is very interesting to watch. Mia, like Hillary, tends to act first and then think later. So we as the audience end up seeing her bad action first and we get the payoff of all that juicy drama, but then we get the emotional explanation behind it later. On Tuesday, Mia's looking at those scissors like she wants to stab them into Abby's neck. And by Friday, Mia is in tears telling us why Arturo's engagement hurts her so deeply. Well, she was telling Phyllis, actually, and I have to say that scene between Phyllis and Mia was equally as great as the scissor fantasy. Phyllis just sussed out 
the situation with Mia immediately, and I loved the way she did it. Phyllis knew that Mia was hurting, was able to identify and connect in with that, saw this is someone who has something on their mind who needs to talk, and Phyllis drew it all out of her, got Mia to open up about why exactly she feels the way she does about Abby. Mia and Arturo were each other's first big loves. This is their big, epic, young love story. And you only get one of those. And it's very impactful. I still don't understand why exactly they broke up. Did I miss that part of the story? But I would like to know. They did break up nevertheless. Mia married Ray. Maybe she married Ray because Ray was a safe bet. And he was still a connection to Arturo in a way. And Arturo's way of handling with the breakup was to vow that he would never get married again. And now here he is, with the nerve to propose to another woman at Mia's re-wedding. And on top of it, the woman that Arturo is proposing to is so very opposite from Mia. From Mia's perspective, she is thinking, how could Arturo love someone like Abby when he was supposed to only love me? I don't think it means that Mia doesn't love Ray, but I think Ray was the safe bet. I think Ray was second choice. Arturo came first. And you're always going to have the, you know, the person who came later walking in those footprints. And for once, Phyllis has some really great advice. This was, this was excellent. Phyllis looks at Mia and says, you know what? You strike me as the kind of person who gets what she wants. So if you want Arturo, I have no doubt that you will get him, but you better be damn sure that this is what you want because you will destroy everything else that you have after you get it. Like if you want Ray, if you actually do want Ray and you want your life with him, you need to forget about Arturo. You need to wake up every single day of your life from now on and tell yourself that you don't want Arturo. And one of these days, it'll be true. Hmm, Phyllis, is that what you do? Do you wake up every morning telling yourself that you don't love Billy? Because getting back together with Billy would destroy everything else in your world, so you choose Nick because he's the safe bet? That was very telling for both of those women. And Phyllis also tells Mia, look, don't make an enemy of Abby. If you make an enemy of Abby, you're going to end up making an enemy of Arturo, and that's not what you want. (laughs) And also, hey, from the audience perspective, any guy who can do a Victor Newman impression like the one that Arturo did on Friday while telling Ray about the prenup, I think that's the kind of guy that it's good to stay on good terms with. Is it bad uh, that I think I would have been more excited by Carrie 
if we had learned that she had a secret drug addiction or that she was planning to syringe Jack to death or that she was taking hormone injections because she was trans. I mean, the revelation that she's taking hormone shots because she's freezing her eggs, it's kind of bland. <sighs> well, Jack invited Carrie to Abby and Arturo's engagement party, and she was there, but she wasn't exactly there. She was on her phone the entire time, which is rude regardless of anything that would have been going on with these hormone injections. That's just rude above and beyond whatever's going on with her freezing her eggs. Um, Jack was already questioning whether or not Carrie was being truthful about those parking tickets. So he sees her purse sitting unattended at the table while she's off taking a phone call, and he takes the opportunity to peek inside, and what does he find? The syringe. And when he confronts her about it, she laughs at him. She laughs right in his face. She says she's not on drugs. She's not planning anything sinister. She's just keeping her options open, taking these hormone injections so that she can freeze her eggs in case she wants to have a child in the future. Hey, I know. Why doesn't Carrie introduce her frozen egg to one of Jack's frozen sperms from the past, and they can just have a frozen baby in the future. <laughs> I am actually legitimately surprised that Jack didn't suggest that. I am actually legitimately surprised that Jack didn't jump at the idea to just impregnate Carrie right then and there. I would have expected good old smiling Jack to love the idea of having another child that he didn't have to help raise, or who knows, maybe that he would actually raise this time. But instead, he told Carrie that if she wants to have kids in the future, then maybe she's with the wrong guy. Wow, okay. Jack reveals that he's done having kids. He doesn't want any more kids. And he cares about her enough to not want to stand in the way of her having them if she sees that as a possibility for her future. I didn't expect Jack to have that reaction, and they almost broke up over it until Jack changed his mind and said that he's willing to go along for the ride and make these decisions about their future when and if they get there. But I wonder... I wonder if this is the first sign of YNR setting up the Jack and Carrie breakup soon. I don't know why they got them together just to break them up fairly quickly, but I just think this is not a good sign for the future of their relationship. And with the younger woman, older man dynamic, I almost think that they have to let Jack be the one doing the heartbreaking this time.
I am not your pet poodle. That was our who said it quote from last week. The answer is Phyllis. Phyllis said this to Nikki when Nikki demanded to see her to talk about that fireplace poker. I am not your pet poodle. I wish I had occasion to say that to someone, but no one even tries to treat me like a poodle. <laughs> Congratulations, Cece, Anna, Keisha, Henry, Jamie, Susan, Tina Cole, Ambreen, and TB84. You guys all got it right. Let me give you the quote for next week. <laughs> I dropped it. The quote for from this past week's show is, slapstick is underrated. Slapstick is underrated. Who said it? <laughs> if you think you know, you can go to yrchat.com to leave your guess. And if you get it right, I will give you your shout out sometime <laughs> on the next YNR chat, whenever it may be. Okay, this is probably going to be the last set of comments that I'm going to read on a YNR chat for a little bit. I doubt I'll have time to pull those together, but I certainly will be reading them um, And uh, as I'm watching the show uh, in the midst of boxes <laughs> and my shambled life. Um, but it's, go it's going to a good place. So let's jump off here talking about Nick and Sharon. Donna says, I was hoping so bad that Nick and Sharon were hashing out their past lies so that they could come to an understanding and get back together. They need to have a working family for a while. They're never given a chance for a happy life as soap lives go. And instead, Nick goes home, says he loves Phyllis. I am not giving up hope yet. Donna, I think that was just a first step. I, I think it, it probably, we would have been saying, this isn't realistic, if Sharon would have just jumped right back into Nick's arms, they got back together, and Nick booted Phyllis out of the mansion and moved Sharon on in. I think this was a first step to healing that relationship of Nick and Sharon, and that conversation that Phyllis was having with Mia, where she's talking about how to forget the man that you really love. I think that is a signal that Phyllis and Billy, uh, there's at least a little something still there that, I mean, may or may not interrupt her relationship with Nick. We also had Summer questioning Nick and Phyllis's relationship, saying, what's up with you guys? And they agreed. They're just kind of keeping it casual. They're not really naming it, but they're enjoying each other's company. Those, to me, are all signals of doom. <laughs> I think we should not give up hope uh, for of a Nick and Sharon reunion that we were robbed of. Shifting over into Jack and Carrie, Tina Cole says, I wonder how the story about Carrie freezing her eggs will progress with Jack. Will we reach the point where she really wants children and Jack doesn't and she tries to get pregnant anyway? They have to be telling this for a reason, right? I just don't see how this doesn't end with a Carrie and Jack breakup. It just seems like yet another signal that maybe these two people aren't on the same page. Gary says, when the truth came out, 
that it was actually Carrie harvesting her eggs at the doctor. What a snooze that was. I find the DMV star story far more compelling. But I want you to think about that story she told, Gary says. There were a lot of twists and turns and details in that lie. It was very elaborate. I just have to wonder, can we really trust somebody who can come up with something like that with such detail on spur of the moment? Can we really trust Carrie? I don't think so. I don't think we know a dang thing about Carrie. But it will, I will say it does seem like the style of Mal at this point in his writing career uh, or as his tenure, I suppose, on the show is to drop these little hints that maybe don't turn out to be anything big. Think about everything that went on with Anna. We were wondering what her big secret is, and it turned out to be nothing or something small. Maybe that's what it's going to be with Carrie. Maybe her big secret turns out to be nothing small. I mean, she's carrying around a syringe in her purse. We're all waiting for this big explosion, and the fertility thing is just not that exciting. So I don't know. Maybe we're just being suspicious of Carrie, and there's nothing more there but if there is nothing more there they need to put something more there even if it's just emotional Carrie doesn't have a lot of stuffing as far as characters go she's done a few things she's involved with Jack I'm not opposed to her and Jack by any means but there's just there needs to be more and they need to work on it if they want us to respond as the audience let's talk about Anna T. Nicole says, does anyone else think maybe Anna is not telling the full truth when she said that she, she was just ashamed of her credit card debt as the reason that she didn't want to be known as the songwriter? I still like the fan theory that Tessa is secretly writing the songs. It is certainly possible. I just feel like at this point, there are so many possibilities and we have so very few clues. I think that's why I'm settling into thinking that maybe Anna's reason for keeping that secret from Devon is less plot-y and more emotionally driven. Uh, but I don't know. I like the theory about Tessa too. Where the heck did she go? Colleen says I like the Tessa theory, but I also like how YNR used Anna to talk about her credit card debt, a problem that so many people have. Similarly, when Mia and Ray were planning their vow renewal, Ray mentioned that they're still paying for Christmas. How real is that? I love the contrast of the work for a living new characters with the opulent lifestyle of the legacy characters. There is as much love and drama in the Cozy Rosales apartment as there is in the Abbott Mansion. It was nice seeing the Rosales family go to the Abbott Mansion, wasn't it? There was something a little fun about watching them look around like, ooh, this is how the other half lives. TB84 says, while reading comments elsewhere online, I see that many people would love for the show to get rid of the Rosaleses. Why? The show must evolve and bring on new characters. I find it fresh, personally. 
I find it too. I like the Rosales family. And I like that YNR didn't just give us a couple new characters who aren't really connected to anything. They gave us a whole new family. They have their own backstory, their their own dynamics within each other and beyond. I think the Rosales family is a brilliant addition to the show. In fact, I think one of, it's one of the best things that Mal Young did in his time as writer and producer. Anna says, I think there are similarities between Mia and Hillary, sure, but I think Mia is more like Jill. Jill, the manicurist who befriended Catherine Chancellor, gave her access to her husband Philip and to the business. Ooh, that's a good parallel too. Now I can't unsee it. Now I'm seeing Mia as Jill. Ooh, that means she needs to steal somebody's husband. <laughs> Maybe somebody other than Arturo. I can't wait till we get there and have Mia start, you know, interacting with more of the other Genoa City guys. Well, Ellen says, I am very confused by all of the love for Mia or even the love to hate for Mia. She is so insincere and immature. For me, that does not make for a good soap opera character and certainly not a good villain. Maybe there is more coming, but so far she's just a shallow attention grabber. When Phyllis and Hillary were introduced, they had complexity and smarts and were fully mature but manipulative women. Mia is like a middle schooler. I guess it's just me, but she's a huge turnoff. Well, no, I don't think it's just you. I think a lot of people have very strong reactions to Mia, and you make a fair point. I guess I don't think of Mia very much as a villain. Uh, I just, I, I guess I accept her a little bit more at face value. Did um, the conversation with Phyllis in Phyllis's office add any kind of extra dimension to her? Uh, Mia did talk on Friday about how she feels about her and Arturo's relationship. I think maybe it's a mistake that Y&R had made in not really telling us more about Mia and Arturo. I think the, the cart got put before the horse on that a little bit. They showed these scenes where Mia and Arturo are inexplicably drawn to each other, but we didn't get to feel that build up before we started seeing Mia acting out like a middle schooler. I think maybe if they would have approached it a little differently, the uh, the sentiment could could be different, but I'll be interested to see how our poll results come out this week uh, about how you guys are actually feeling about Mia. Lynn says, I don't think Abby and Arturo are going to make it down the aisle. I hope it doesn't end up with Abby and Devon hooking up, though. I like Abby, but her and Devon, no. They're better off as friends and business partners. But Mia and Devon, on the other hand, have more potential and have the chemistry, especially since Mia is very similar to Hillary. I wouldn't put it past the writers to do an Abby-Mia-Devon triangle, since the show loves triangles. Ooh, Mia and Devon. I, there's just, you could just pair Mia with a lot of different guys and watch them go. I just find her to be an exciting character, I guess. Like I said, I don't necessarily want to hang out with her, but I kind of like watching her. And I could be convinced for Mia and Devon. Do we want Abby and Devon? That's a good question, too, because it seems like the consensus is Abby and Arturo, it ain't happening. So who do we want Abby with? 
Uh, Astra says, I'm with you. I think Devon and Abby are better as friends. I like to have a male and a female just as a pure friendship like Michael and Phyllis. As for Mia, I don't know about her and Devon. I could see her with Billy or Nick, but I feel like those romances will all would all be sex and no substance. You mentioned Michael and Phyllis. I miss Michael and Phyllis's relationship. Why isn't Michael on the show more? He's a great character, a great actor, and he is underused. And I let that be known in that YNR survey. <laughs> um, also, I wanted to mention uh, Mia and Billy. Definitely, they've had some interactions. But Astra, you mentioned Mia and Nick. What if we flash back to Anna's comment about how Mia is like Jill being the manicurist? What if Mia is getting all close to Phyllis only to swoop in there and steal her man, Nick? Hmm. I mean, Nick, it would be a good get. He is a, he, he would be a very uh, desirable man to try to catch. Ellen says, come on, when does Abby get to be happy? This is getting ridiculous. It's way past time for her to have a stable, happy, healthy relationship for a bit. Maybe a kid or two. Genoa City could use some more kids to Soraz. Well, you know, it's funny because I thought about Abby. I can't remember which where she was talking about it this week, but she did mention that she and Arturo had been together for about a year. I think it was when she was talking to Victor. And I thought, wow, has it been that long already? In the scope of things, a year is kind of a long a long time to have a healthy, happy, healthy relationship. But I am totally with you on getting some new babies on this show. Our characters need to seed the next generation. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a baby. The last baby would have been Sam. We need some other kids so that we can soraz them. Keisha says, in my opinion, it's obvious that Arturo proposed to Abby because of Mia's last minute impromptu wedding. I mean, I am an ex-wedding planner. I have seen bridezillas get pissed when someone proposes marriage at the wedding reception. So Arturo planning to drop to his knee after Mia and Ray kiss at the altar was such a huge slap in Mia's face. Abby should run fast and run far. But I'm Team Sharon. I love the fact that Abby is getting this karma now. It wasn't that long ago when Abby was cheating with Sharon's fiance, Scott. Oh, you're an ex-wedding planner, Keisha. Man, I bet that's a heck of a job. And I do think it was extremely rude of Arturo to do that. And I think Mia was justified with being mad about it. I mean, I imagine in her mind, she was thinking, they ruined my wedding, I'm going to ruin their engagement party. Yeah, but you make a good point, too, about Abby. I mean, everything goes around and comes around on soaps, for sure. Abby was cheating with Scott, uh, and now she's potentially going to get cheated on. 
Diana says, did anyone notice that Nikki looked mad when Victoria said that Arturo popped the question to Abby? Nikki seemed a little jealous. Does she still have feelings for Arturo? I guess it's realistic that Nikki could be a little bothered. They were once quite hot and heavy for each other. Nikki may try to act like she doesn't care, but her face tells a different story. I didn't even think to look at Nikki's face, to be honest with you. I was not tuned into that whatsoever, and I wish I would have been. YNR kind of dropped that off. I mean, I don't think it was ever said out loud. Nikki has got so much going on right now with the JT stuff. I can't imagine she's got too much extra energy to give to Arturo's hotness, but I kind of wish that YNR would bring that back up. Yeah! <laughs> Oh, Superplex says, Victor Newman has done it again. No sooner does he prop up his daughter Victoria, his firstborn, showering her with compliments and accolades, extolling her excellent work navigating the Newman family's ship of state through perilous shoals that he pulls the rug right out from under her by assigning Summer, whose lack of qualifications and experience are highly noticeable as Victoria's chief lieutenant. This has become nauseatingly rep repetitious. It's like Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football. You know that Lucy at the last moment will pull that football away from Charlie Brown and uh, appear make him appear to be the, the fool once more. I guess I didn't read that Victor Victoria scene like that. I thought he was trying to really encourage her to take the position, and he thought that throwing Summer into the mix might help take off uh, some of Victoria's responsibilities because she was complaining about not having enough time to spend with the kids. But, um, but yeah, Summer's definitely underqualified for that. I was more wondering why Victoria was going to agree with it, but that, that's, a, that's definitely a perspective. Zuperplex also says, really, Billy? Backing down when it's your daughter's fate in question. I agree with you there, Superplex, because Billy came in real hot when Katie was missing. He was wanting to call the cops. He was not going to listen to old Victor Newman tell him anything. And then he goes to grab his phone and make a call. And Victoria just lightly kind of touches his hands on the phone. And he just gives up. It was, he did back down a little easy. I got to give it that. That whole missing kid thing, it just didn't feel real. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Victoria just seemed unbothered by it. I'm mean, just like, mm, I don't know. Neither of them really had that panic. I think back in the day, YNR would have stretched this whole missing kid thing out for a really long time. And it was only an episode. So maybe nobody can really muster up. And with the rate that kids are going missing in this town, maybe no one can really muster up any concern about it because they know it's going to be resolved the next day. <laughs> Soapy Llama says, if I was a little kid and a scary burglar man broke into my house, I wouldn't happily play hide and seek with him. But you do you, Katie. Uh, see, that's exactly why I think that it's not a scary burglar man. I think that whoever this imaginary friend is, is a face that she already knows. Laura says, I strongly disagree with YNR using children as plot devices. 
kidnapping, accidental death, whatever. It's not right and it's cheap and it's not an enjoyable viewing experience. Pick on the adults. Yeah, I know. I wasn't real happy to see it. I was rolling my eyes a little bit, but I also know why they're doing it. It's all about Victoria and Billy and that's all. It's about reuniting them and that's all. Daisy says, my top guess for the Newman whodunit is JT. JT, who survived and crawled out of the grave. Now he wants to get back at the Newmans, particularly Victor, for blaming him for, well, everything that happened to him. JT knows how to set up surveillance so he could have set fire to get everyone out of the house so he could install everything. One issue I have with it being JT is that I think he would also blame Paul and Christine for putting him in that situation once again, blaming the others for his actions. But since the Newmans were the last point of reference before he was hit, I think he'd be focusing on them for now. Ooh, okay. Well, I like the idea that JT set the fire in the stables to plant that evidence and create a distraction while he got into the house and... Put, set up the security cameras. That is a good idea. And also, you mentioned Paul and Christine. There is a big, big connection there. And we know that Christine's on the show next week. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. If they blow up this whole thing in the next three weeks and we find out that JT is still alive and all this comes up and I am stuck amidst moving boxes and not seeing it and chatting about it, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> I did not wait 11 months, nearly a year for this to just not, not be able to like experience it live on the weekly basis with you. I, why didn't, why am I moving during February's sweeps? <sighs> oh yeah, because it's a fabulous house <laughs> and I love it so much. It, there's a possibility that I might just do like a two, maybe, maybe I'll, if I don't get to do one week, maybe I will just do a double and cram two weeks worth of shows in. I mean, I'm going to be watching anyway you slice it and I'm going to try to check into the website and weigh in there and, and I'm going to do what I can. <laughs> don't question my commitment to our chat. <laughs> oh, let's switch gears out to uh, summer here. Laura says, hold up. Hunter King looks pregnant. Here we go, everyone. Victoria and Billy get back together at their wedding. In the middle of the wedding, in the middle of saying the vows, Victoria will drop the line, but you had an affair with my niece, Summer, and she's carrying your child, who is also my grandniece or grandnephew, and your ex-girlfriend's grandchild. I like it, Laura. I like that scenario a lot. I had completely forgotten about our predictions that maybe Summer would end up pregnant from having slept with Billy. Totally, that slipped off my radar completely when she showed back up. I didn't notice her looking pregnant or anything. It hasn't been that long, right? I mean, she could know that she's pregnant and just hasn't mentioned it. it I still think it's, it's certainly a possibility. I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> it is pretty incestuous, though. Simone says, while endlessly clicking through Netflix, I came across a movie called The Kissing Booth. The star of the movie looked so much like Hunter King that I had to Google her. Well, of course, they look similar. 
They're sisters! The jawline, the eyes, and those naturally full duck lips. What a pair! Oh, Simone also sent me a picture of her. Uh, shoot, I don't think, I don't know. Oh, I didn't get write her name down, but you could Google it. The, the kissing booth. Simone sent me a picture of her. They do. They look a lot alike. I had no idea that Hunter King also had a, an actress sister, but they, they could be twins. Uh, Laura says, Summer is too old for Kyle and Fenn. She suits men 10 to 20 years older than her. I'm not sure how YNR is going to sort her personality. Is using her sexuality to manipulate is too 1970s soap opera. Fenn and Kyle see through it. Speaking of 1970s soap opera, aren't they rebooting Dynasty? Has anybody seen that? Does anybody know anything about that? I don't need the reboot. I need to just go back and watch Dynasty. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hmm, I need to add that to my, my notes to self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I, Summer, I just think she's too, she's too much for Fen. I think she'd be a good match for Kyle. Or, I mean, I think you're right. She could go with an older guy, no doubt. I just think that Kyle's the one. Gary says, Allie, dude, talk to me in October. Yeah, later, man. <laughs> I like that little bit of machismo out of Kyle, Gary says, uh, when he was talking to one of the, his sports bros as that scene opened up. A little bit of regular guy never hurt anybody. I like it. <laughs> I like that because I'm from Chicago. I lived, or I'm from the Chicago area. I lived in Chicago, and uh, Chicago folks are always thinking the Cubs are gonna take it. And we had we had one one moment of of Cubs in the World Series a couple years ago, but uh, but yeah, it's like every year it it is it gets down living in Chicago because every spring and summer it's like ooh, are they gonna, are the Cubs gonna win? And then it's like dashed by the end of the year. But yeah, that was a funny little scene. I did like that. It was fun the way Lauren was tapping her toe in the background, like, ahem, what are you doing? And Kyle says, I'm working like I am every day. I come in here at 8 a.m. every day. Do you really need to hound me for a call? Which, by the way, was not even personal. I was just schmoozing someone who could be a buyer for your products and your company. I like Kyle. Soapy Llama says, the modeling was hilarious. They grabbed some cheap Hawaiian shorts and gave Fen a straw fedora so that they could prance around making duck faces and trash talking each other for 30 seconds. What zillion dollar photo shoot material. Bravo. <laughs> it was lame. They spent the whole episode building up the photo shoot and then the actual photo shoot was short and lame. And yeah, two two references to duck faces this week. How weird. Um, also, now, Laura had mentioned, I'll end on this, that she thought that during the opening credits, there wasn't a written by Mal Young on the episodes, and there was no previously on y and I went back and looked... 
and I saw Mal Young's name. Now, I don't know if it said uh, written by Mal Young, but he was definitely still listed as at least a producer. Uh, so I I don't know. He I think at this point in the story, he is still, because I even went back to Friday's episode, and he was he, his name was still on the episode. Um, but I imagine that that switch over the complete, I mean, maybe it happened in transition. I don't know. You could be completely right. Uh, maybe he left the writing and still had producing credit for a while. I'm not sure. Uh, but I imagine that the switchover for the new writers has got to come soon. I mean, I imagine within the next couple of weeks and it, it will pro see there's two ways they can go. The new writers can either just deal with the stories that were already given and try to transition us slowly out of them so that the audience is not noticing anything big, or they could just choose to blow everything up and make their mark on the show and say, okay, viewers, this is new now. This is the new vibe now. Deal with it. We're going to blow it all up so that we can just get where we're going to get it back on track. That's what Mal Young did when he took over the show. So there's a couple different options for how they're going to transition to our new writing team. And I just hope <laughs> that I am not stuck in a U-Haul when it's actually going down. Okay, everybody, that does it for me for this seven years, <laughs> or at least for this five years, for this YNR chat uh, look decor. There will be a whole new, t I don't know, I, I have to decide how exactly I'm going to set it up. That's all very exciting, and I'm sure it'll start as one thing and probably become something else, but uh, I've got the rest of my life to to work it out. Moving is the worst. It is the worst. I mean, I'm sure the Newmans would just hire somebody to do all of this, but man, with like closing costs and all the different stuff that you got to buy, it, I was like, I'll just, I'll schlep it. I will just buckle down for two weeks and over time move the stuff in a U-Haul. I'm going to hate it. I'm going to be sweaty, but maybe it'll be a good workout. Ugh, it is not going to be fun, but I am going to watch every single episode of YNR. You can bet on it. I am going to check in at the website for your comments. You can bet on it. You can go to YRChat.com if you want to just chat about the show. I'm still going to make sure that the watch and chat threads are up there. There's a good possibility there won't be as many screen caps and all that stuff. But I am going to do the very best that I can do. Ugh. Okay, well... <laughs> take it all in take it all in feels like the end of an era but the beginning of a new i love you guys and i will see you in two to three weeks again don't be scared if you don't hear from me for one of those weeks but i will be sure to check in as much as i can i love you guys and i will see you on the other side at the ranch okay bye